live from the Swedish American Museum in Chicago. You're listening to Swampish Radio Theater in Thespinarians. Approximately 60-minute variety hour horror edition. We dedicate this evening to our beloved Miss Kitten, voiced by the indomitable Cat Dean. Cat Dean passed away on September 21st, 2019, after a long and brave struggle. We love and miss you, Cat, and you're here in our hearts. We'll keep a candle lit on her behalf. And yes, you heard that right, approximately 60-minute variety hour. Our producer's too lazy to be exact. And we're so lazy, in fact, that we're riffing on our popular 20-minute variety hour. If you haven't listened to it yet, what is your problem? But it's your lucky day. You'll get a sample of our variety format. Albeit in a more colossal time frame, <laughs> Who was that? Who was what? That voice. Y yeah, I heard it too. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, we're your hosts, Herzovi. And Green. Are you feeling all right, man? Must, Must be, be a head cold. We're... Sharing the stage with... Joy Thorbjornson Coates. Sharon Phillips. And Mark Cater. <laughs> Green, how are you? Are you okay? Sure. Carry on. Green, if I, if I didn't know better, I'd think you were possessed. <gasps> Don't be ridiculous. What should we do? Should we stop the show? Oh, no, no. The show must go on. It, it'll work itself out. Moving on. On this show, I guess, time for cooking with Joy. Today we will prepare... Something even more horrific than Joy's cooking. Honey Cake by Kevin M. Folliard, a Chicagoland writer whose fiction has been collected by The Horror Tree, Flame Tree Publishing, Hinnom Magazine, Thrilling Words, and more. answered the doorbell, expecting trick-or-treaters. Instead, he found Mrs. Winchuck's cold marble glare. The gaunt six-foot-five-inch crone towered over Buzz's pudgy adolescent form. Black bobby pins lined her icy white hair. Crooked yellow teeth sneered. An aura of stale kitty litter permeated the foyer. Beneath a smoky gray shawl, Mrs. Winchock cradled something in her arms. A cat, Buzz assumed. That creepy tomcat that slinks around her backyard. Hello, Buzz Springer. I don't know who you are, but my mom's at work. I know all you seventh grade hoodlums. Your crony Linus Wilson sang like a caged bird. Linus lived next door to Mrs. Winchuck. She was always accusing the Wilson kids of vandalism and threatening to sue Linus's parents. It had been Linus's idea to prank her on Devil's Night. I'm gonna get blamed anyway, Linus had said. Might as well get the satisfaction. I know Linus, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. You deny it then? <laughs> Your fat little hands weren't clawing up my garden beneath the watchful eyes of my Felix. Buzz glanced down to make sure his hands were clean. He had scrubbed and scrubbed last night. He caught another stifling whiff of cat litter and winced. Those glowing cat eyes flashed in his memory. Felix's black form perched on the windowsill had startled him. The cat yowled, <coughs> sprang over Buzz's shoulder and leapt toward the garage. The trash can lid Felix landed on crashed like a cymbal. And the boys waited breathlessly to see if Mrs. Winchock's lights went on. When the quiet resumed, so did the pranking. The cat had circled the boys while they finished up, observed everything. Now Buzz studied the shape under the gray shawl. No, it wasn't a cat. The object was too bulky. You punks smashed my stone lizards. 
Cut my garden hose, covered my siding in eggs and shaving cream, emptied your bladders on Sorry my you got pranked, but you got the wrong kid. Get lost! I hoped you wouldn't confess, you filthy piglet. Buzz's face burned. Fat little hands he had let slide, but enough was enough. He hated, hated when people poked fun of his weight. You got what you deserved, you I deserved the bottle of honey that you squeezed into my mailbox. <laughs> in an instant, Mrs. Winchuck flapped the gray shawl away. Resting in her arm was a circular platter with a translucent cake cover. I've come to return your honey, butterball. Buzz moved his mouth, but no words came. There was something in the air. A strange hum, muffling under the cake cover. A black and yellow shape rested under cloudy, translucent plastic. Buzz's legs stiffened as he focused on the hum. His shoulders turned to rubber. The sound was almost musical. His eyes sank into the plastic blur. Mrs. Winchock uncovered the platter and revealed a round black and yellow cake decorated with the face of a jack-o'-lantern. Ribbons of buttercream frosting circled the edges. Pinstripes of yellow and chocolate sprinkles crusted the sides. A honeysuckle aroma invaded the foyer and banished the stench of old cat lady. Buzz's mouth watered. His stomach gurgled. Mrs. Winchock inched the cake toward him. The triangular pumpkin eyes seemed to stab into Buzz. The woman faded into a honeyed mist, and Buzz felt as if he were floating in that pleasant hum. Like he could fall into the sweet chocolate abyss of those black triangles. Oh, man. You are a greedy hog, Buzz Springer. Buzz knew he should be angry, humiliated to be called a hog, but he couldn't summon an ounce of defiance. He was lost in a haze of yellow sugar. When your fingers touch this platter, you will accept this cake, and you will have no choice but to devour every morsel. The striped sides of the cake twirled like a merry-go-round. Black, yellow, black, yellow. Buzz floated in the cake's hum. He would have felt completely out of body were it not for the distinct sensation of drool running down his chin, wetting his shirt. You will eat every bite. Every bite. Suddenly, Buzz was alone in the foyer. The woman had vanished, and in his hands, Buzz gripped the plastic platter. The scent of candy and honey and chocolate swirled around him, and that beautiful hum, the whole cake, vibrated through his fingers into his arm. Throw this cake in the garbage! Came a voice in his head. It's poison! No! Came another voice. Keep the cake as evidence. Call the cops. She'll go to jail. But these were small weak voices, shrinking with every passing moment. The droning siren song of the cake was drowning those voices in liquid sugar. The honey aroma sauntered up his nostrils. Saliva pooled under his tongue. His stomach rumbled to the tune of the hum. Buzz hurried inside and placed the cake on the dining room table. The jack-o'-lantern's chocolate smile grinned. I have to eat it. I accepted it. I touched it. She cursed it, cursed me. The silver edge of a butcher knife gleamed from the dish drying rack by the sink. Just one piece. Buzz gripped the handle of the knife and carried it toward the smiling cake. He pushed against the table with one hand, tried to keep himself away, but the other hand inched the blade toward the sugary glaze. Trick or treat! Two third grade girls, a princess and a doctor, beamed up, pillowcases outstretched. Buzz whipped fistfuls of bite-sized candy bars into their sacks. Get lost! He slammed the door and pressed his back against it. The cake vibrated. The tabletop trembled. The sugary song shook Buzz's skin, tickled his belly, vibrated his bones. Buzz cut into creamy yellow icing. The walls shuddered. Light fixtures rattled. The knife 
stabbed deep into the cake, and the drone exploded into a deafening army of musical lawnmowers. Bulbous, yellow-brown bugs poured from the cake, hovered into a cloud and swirled up his arm, around his face, into his sleeves. Oh my god! Scores of dark honey-colored bees buzzed and covered his skin. They filled the dining room, eclipsed the overhead lighting. Oh jeez! Buzz shook head to toe. Pain blossomed on his palm, his arms, oh, his ow, chest, ow, ow, his ow, cheeks, ow. his eyes. Ah. And he helplessly clawed with both hands for fistfuls of droning, sugary globs of insects, honey filling, and buttery frosting. And he ate, and he ate. <laughs> Twenty-five minutes later, Buzz's mother arrived to find her son slouched at the dining room table in front of a plastic cake platter that read, Happy Halloween. Chocolate streaks suggested the boy had greedily licked the platter clean. So gross! What are you going as this year, King of the Zombies? Five stars on the monster makeup, honey. Buzz's face was swollen. His arms marked by nasty red blemishes and irritated lesions. His hands were puffy and red. One eye was tinted purple. Hideous welts crusted his cheeks, and his shirt was drenched with sweat, stained chocolate and yellow. His mother's smile vanished. Dread sank into her. A dark yellow bug squeezed out of Buzz's swollen nostril and crawled over his lips. A honeybee. His tongue poked out like a swollen slug, lapped at the insect, and slurped it into his mouth. was gross. Green, are you, are you feeling better? What are you talking about? He's not feeling better. He's not even himself. Then who is he? I don't know. I feel a poem about a witch coming on. The Hag by Robert Herrick. The Hag is astride. <laughs> This night for to ride, the devil and she together, through thick and through thin, now out and then in, though ne'er so foul be the weather. A thorn or a burr she takes for a spur, with a lash of a bramble she rides now. Through brakes and through briars, or ditches and mires, she follows the spirit that guides now. No beast for his food dares now range the wood, but hushed in his lair he lies lurking, while mischiefs by these, on land and on seas, at noon of night are working. The storm will arise and trouble the skies this night and more for the wonder. A ghost from the tomb, affrighted shall come, called out by the clap of the thunder. <laughs> Green's definitely possessed. Let's find a spell for exorcism during the commercial break. Hurry before he starts up again. And now a word from our sponsor. Ever held your bed sheets up to a microscope? Seen a dust mite up close? Well, my friends, those little puppies live on your skin. Yes, sir, on your skin. You think that it's insomnia or pizza that you ate before bed? Think again. It's those little buggers having a party. Of course they're going to wake you up in the middle of the night. Some of us resort to washing and drying sheets daily, which is a real pain in the tuchus. Here at Might Be Gone, we say why not eliminate those little bugs at the source on your skin. Use Might Be Gone before bed, and you will sleep alone and soundly 
not in a bed crowded with critters. Just attach this concrete slab to the easy-to-use sled and rake your body over the cement just enough to avoid bleeding. House guests, try our gentle acid rain shower. It will leave your guests looking peachy and your sheets free of foreign bodies. Order today and get this larger-than-life motivational magnification poster of a dust mite. Might be gone when you want to sleep without the lights on. I have one of those at home. Works great. <laughs> Just be sure your sheets are red or brown. Uh-huh. That explains your vibrant skin tone. Yeah, I got that right. <laughs> so, did we find any spells to help us save green? Can't you smell the sage I'm burning? You know, to clear out the evil spirits? Is that what that is? Smell nice. <laughs> it's time for Real Lives Of, the show where you get to experience almost firsthand some of the weirdest lives on the planet. Today, forest rangers. Today's real life episode, Whisper Music by Lindsay Adams of St. Louis, Missouri. Her full-length plays were named semi-finalists for the O'Neill Playwrights Conference. Hello, anybody there? I saw the lights on and I, well, I just have a couple questions. I'm with the local park service, official business. Hello? Just wait a minute. Is somebody there? I said I'm here. Just give me a second. This lock sticks something awful in the cold. Hello. So, who are you? I'm Forest Ranger with the Park Services Department. I know, I heard. I'm not deaf, not yet anyways. Well, no, of course. I didn't mean to, to suggest that, um, that you... Are you gonna stand outside there in the cold? Oh, no, no, of course not. Hello, I'm Ranger Arnold. Hello, Ranger Arnold. My name is Esther, but that was my great aunt's name and she was a righteous old terror, so I've always went by Essie. Of course, now they'll probably call me a righteous old terror, too. Well, I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> you don't have to make up stories for an old lady's sake. Well, I didn't mean to disturb you. Are you uh, busy? Oh, no. I was just on the commode. Takes me a bit longer than it used to. When you get old, you'll understand. Sure, ma'am. Uh, Essie, do you have a first name? Well, yes, ma'am. Not everybody does. Will you sit down? I just have a few questions. Does that mean you need to ask them standing up? I guess not. Makes me feel tiny, you standing over me like that. Would you like some tea? No, thank you, ma'am. But you must be cold standing out there with such bitter wind we've been having. Really, you don't have to. I insist. I haven't gotten to pour anyone but myself tea for quite a while. Sure, well, much appreciated, ma'am. I'm just here to ask you if you've seen anything unusual here recently. Unusual like what? Well, just anything unusual. Mm, not to my knowledge. What's all this about? Well, you heard anything about the Aldridge case? Jenny, right? Yes. Hmm. Missing for a few days now. I get the news from my milkman. Stevens is kind enough to deliver up your special like. Right. I, I wasn't sure with how far you are out from, I mean, from everyone else, really. I, well, I don't know if you'd heard. What do you think happened to her? We're afraid we might have a much more aggressive bear than we've ever dealt with before. <sighs> Coming down farther into the trails and attacking hikers. Uh, but we really aren't certain. It, it could be anything. People have always disappeared up in these mountains. Just how it is. Oh, let me get that. <laughs> Here's your tea. Oh, thank you. It's just, she's a local girl, you know. 
She knows better than to just wander around in these woods without, without telling somebody. People don't always think through things so logical as that. Did you see anything? Anything at all? Sorry to say, but I haven't. Does that tea not suit you? You ain't barely drinking. Oh, I'm sorry, but these are some mighty beautiful instruments you've got here. People used to come from all around to buy them. They have their own unique sound, you see. Do they really? Good instruments. They have a voice. Their own voice. It's like a person speaking almost. Like you. You have a sound unique unto you, a voice all your own. Plucking the strings is just like listening to them whispering you a secret right from their soul. That's a nice thing to think about. Has anyone ever told you you have a lovely voice? Well, no, ma'am. I mean, I, I don't, ma'am. Not at all, really. Oh, don't be modest now. <laughs> Ephraim had a lovely voice, too. Everything he said sounded like a melody. Oh, that's why I married him. I can still hear him. He always had his hair. Didn't lose it like most men his age. I still have my hair. Yes, yes you do, ma'am. We never could have children. We tried, but... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Just the way things are. I suppose the... Instruments are really my only babies. Drink up now. I don't mean to overstep or be rude, ma'am, but... Please! I... Ranger Arnold, I could die any moment. I prefer people speak to the point. Uh, right. Um, I, I just mean, pardon my saying this, but isn't it a little dangerous? Someone your age living up here by herself? I've done pretty well up here all by myself. Ever since Ephraim died, I've managed. Me and my instruments and my teas. Make them myself, you know. Well, it's mighty strong tea. I like it strong. Mm, that's what the dried herbs and things are for. Mm, some of them. Yeah, some real pretty dried flowers you got here. That's a uh, sneezeweed, right? You have a good eye, Ranger Arnold. <laughs> oh, my mama would always warn me against them. Said they'd look real sweet, then knock you off your feet. Because they're poisonous. You know that? Hmm. Didn't know any such thing. I just like the look of them. Like to keep some color around here in the winter. Guess it's a good thing I never used them in my tea. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. <laughs> might, might I play you something? I haven't had anybody hear one of my instruments in so long. Oh, um, sure. What is this that I can't see? With icy hands taking hold on me. I am deaf and none can excel. Doors to heaven or hell. Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over till another year? Tis death I come to take the soul, leave the body and leave it cold. Drop the flesh off of the frame. The earth and worms both have a claim. Oh, death, oh, death, won't you carry over to another year? Anything wrong? Um. I'm not feeling too well all of a sudden. Uh, I think I'd better go. <coughs> what did you put in that tea? Oh, dearie, you already know. <laughs> You're a very clever one noticing my sneezeweed. <laughs> of course, it wasn't until after you drunk the tea, but very observant. <coughs> <coughs> they'll, they'll catch you. 
They will. They'll come and search, and they'll find Jenny, and they'll find me, too. But the bodies are, are right here, and you didn't even <coughs> notice. Well, there's Jenny, and, and you just hear it from Ephraim. The moment I heard your voice, I knowed you were my next one. Oh, my next baby. Uh. I'll fix your feet so you can't walk. I'll lock your jaw so you can't talk. Close your eyes so you can't see. This very air, come go with me. I think I'll start with the saw. Interesting, never thought of making instruments out of actual people. Sounds better than cremation. Or having your remains at the foot of a tree. Mark, I, I, I think you would make a nice harp. Why, thank you, Joy. Oh, do me, Joy. The, the sage isn't working. Green's still possessed. Maybe his spirit isn't evil. Uh, you, uh, Green or, or Stan or Green Stan or whoever you are would would be an accordion. If I'm an accordion, then you're, you're one of those pianos that you blow into. Excellent. And, and Herzovi, uh, you're a set of bongos. Cool. And, and Sharon, you are a fine piano, standing in a drawing room with fancy wallpaper right next to the harp. Speaking of wallpaper, let's segue into a new segment about home improvement with off the Wall by Lori Spector. Though born and raised in LA, she was stigmatized for refusing to write screenplays, so she and her theater degree emigrated to Seattle's Drizzly Shores, where she is happily writing for the stage. There she goes again. Scrape, scrape, scrape and another layer is free. Steamed and stripped off the wall, like the rings of a tree, each layer of paper and paste reveals the colors, patterns, textures of their time. Mute witnesses to the lives lived in this living room. Oh my God, the determination of those young hands. Well, why not? Now that her grandfather's finally been removed and deposited in a facility, this house is hers, hers to transform. Ah, oh, she's reached the next layer. Vaguely smiling woodland creatures against a burgundy red background. Burgundy, a rich spill of dark wine that was supposed to hide everything until inevitably the burgundy dimmed to a pale rose from a relentlessly sunny window, and now lies in wet curls on a drop cloth. Ah, now metallic geometric shapes on a rust background are revealed. Another shade of red attempting to ensure nothing beneath can show through. Coverage mixes a sad effort to create an illusion of glamour and sophistication. Your mother used to dance around this room, surrounded by that illusion, imagining herself carried away to a different, more glittering world, one where she and her own mother could be together again, free from your grandfather, the idea of which must have driven him crazy, crazier. Okay, okay. Looks like that stubborn, shiny paper is softened enough to peel away. Time to rip off the scab. Oh, you've reached it at last. Hmm, 
Look more closely, honey. That's it. Now, now a little to the right, just above that cluster of yellow flowers. Look very, very carefully. See that bloom of red? Can you be absolutely sure those are poppies against the white background? Oh, please, honey, this is so very important. Look closer. <gasps> You've seen it, but you're pulling away. It's too much, isn't it? No. The realization that the no. family rumors about your grandfather were true, not hearsay, truth. Imagine how it must have been for us. Now nothing remains but a blood splatter. Please, please, dearest girl, don't abandon me. Unlike back when this happened, there are now methods that can reveal who I was, why I'm here. Be suspicious. I'm depending on you. I've waited so very, very long, observing lives that moved forward and beyond me while I've remained trapped on this wall. You're turning away. No, don't hesitate. Now that the old man is gone, you have to tell others about what you've uncovered. Bring the police, the crime scene experts, the scientists who can bring the truth to life from a dried stain. Closed missing person files can be reopened, and then you'll know what happened to me and about your own connection to this blood-stained wall. So please, for all our sakes, make the phone call go. Hurry. What? What are you doing? No, you, you can't be serious. Oh my God, you're removing the evidence. What the hell are you thinking? You should really wear protective gloves when using paint remover, honey. Don't want to harm those smooth, lovely hands. I had hands like yours. The old man used to say beautiful hands ran in our family. What's this? Oh no, not again. Oh dear God. Buried once again. This time, this time the wallpaper is robin's egg blue. Might as well be robin's droppings for all that matters. It's too much, too much to bear. The girl's not only inherited the old man's house, but his evil heart as well. Uh, you, uh, that bastard's blood may run in your veins, but mine is still in front of your eyes. Yes, you've noticed, haven't you? Marring the blue perfection of your little nest, another bright red smear. No! Shout all you want, honey. I won't disappear. Not again. Never again. And look what's happening to your pretty skin. That nasty old blood stain is transferring itself from the wall to the back of your hand. <laughs> Not so loud, honey. Those screams will alert the neighbors, although mine never did. But yes, honey, yes, honey. That is a large blood stain on the back of your hand. Consider it a little keepsake you've just inherited from your grandmother, who's elated to be off the wall. chocolate-covered insects? Tired of drying and cleaning your insects in a time-consuming fashion? Well, those days of entrails and wing removal are gone with Crispy Critter Snackomatic. In fact, you don't even have to put your little critters in the freezer to put them to sleep before roasting. Here's how it works. Just set our dehydrator lamp on a porch and place the honey paint 
Then go about your business. The flash dehydrator will have your bugs dewinged, sterilized, and roasted in no time. It even sorts flies, mosquitoes, and other undesirables into a tidy trash compartment. Just coat with your favorite chocolate and enjoy. Not recommended for use in tropical climates. Scorpions, tarantulas, and palmetto bugs have been known to clog the entrail and wing extractor. Crispy Critter Snackomatic, when you want your insects in an instant. Is someone eating? I'm dreaming of chocolate covered cockroaches. <laughs> the the only thing that Green hates worse than dolls is cockroaches. What have you done with our co-host? <laughs> and now, Marlon McJerkins, Adventures in Everyday Horror. Hello, and welcome to my show, Marlon McJerkins, Adventures in Everyday Horror the show where we explore the mildly horrific in daily life. Today's adventure, courtesy of Evan Balkman of Long Beach, California. Evan Balkman works in a very scary place, a middle school. <clears throat> they returned with a vengeance, but with a hive mind sharing a singular goal the eradication of the human race. They came back bigger than before, meaner, angrier. They had every right to be furious with us, of course. We'd let them all die, ignored scientists' warnings for decades, caused the creatures untimely demise with habitat loss and pesticides. Now, their swarms were massive and many they attacked with two-inch-long mutant stingers. Their venom rotted our brains, turned us into bloodthirsty, mindless cannibals. <laughs> they found a way to exterminate us. Unfortunately, we couldn't figure out how to exterminate them, the zombies. I don't understand. Zom bees bees. More bees. I guess people have bees on their mind. Enough with the bees already. Uh, let's switch to uh... cats. Wait. I feel Edgar Allan Poe quotes about cats coming on. The fury of a demon instantly possessed me. I knew myself no longer. My original soul seemed at once to take its flight from my body, and a more than fiendish malevolence gin-nurtured thrilled every fiber of my frame. Who has not, a hundred times, found himself committing a vile or silly action for no other reason than because he knows he should not? Who would... Would, would you please be quiet, Green Stan, or whoever you are? That sage-burning thing, it doesn't seem to be working. Green, are you in there? Green! <clears throat> Next up, Bastard Peace Theater. Tonight on Bastard Peace Theater, The Boy Who Drew Cats by Greg Lamb of Boston, Massachusetts. Greg writes plays, designs board games, and hosts the playwriting podcast, Boston Podcast Players. This story is based on a folktale Greg heard 20 years ago. Once upon a time, a boy was sent to a monastery to learn what they would teach him. The boy was not good at sweeping the grounds or cooking meals or cutting the grass. But he was good at one thing, calligraphy. Boy, let me look at your work. Very good. Your penmanship improves day by day. 
Now here's another manuscript to copy. Yes, sir. The boy was learning to become a scribe. His brush strokes were masterful. However, he was easily distracted. Meow. Hello, beautiful kitty cat. Maybe I should draw you. Meow. Boy, boy. There you are. You should have been done copying the manuscript already. Let me see. Wait! It appears that your parents are wrong about you. You are good for something. Your penmanship. Thank you, sir. However, I can see why it takes you so long to copy a simple prayer. When you should be writing, instead you're wasting time just doodling. And what the boy drew was this. Cats. Playing cats, sleeping cats, laughing cats, and crying cats. Cats, we feed you and house you, and we only ask you to copy our books for us. And you waste our ink and our paper drawing cats. Keep your mind on the task, little boy, or it will spell your doom. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Very well. We have one more task you can begin before you sleep. Let me show you this. This order was founded almost 100 years ago. Our founder was a great, great man. We have based our monastery on the wisdom of his words. To celebrate our 100th year, we must begin copying the founder's book and finish in time for the new year. We have decided that you will be the one to do it. Your penmanship is truly sublime. Do not disappoint me. I will check on you later. The book had the most beautiful paper the boy had ever seen. The boy started his task. Meow. Hello, kitty cat. The book's paper was so beautiful, so tempting. No, not now, no. No, so tempting. So tempting, the white paper, it beckoned. Not now. The boy finally gave in. The boy laughed and doodled until... Boy! Let's see how you've done. Oh. Oh, no. What the monk found was this. On every margin, on every page of this most sacred book, was drawn the face of a cat. Meow. That night, all of the monks of the monastery conferred and decided to send the boy back home to his parents. The next day, the monk had this to say to the boy. Give your parents my regards when you see them again. Have a safe journey. It's a three-day walk. Yes, sir. Boy, I do not know why I say this to you, but I feel that I must. When you go, fear exposed spaces, trust enclosed places. Do you understand? Yes, sir. That is all. The boy walked all day and into the night. And as it got dark, he found a small barn on the side of the road to spend the night. Hello? The boy entered the barn. The walls of the barn, the boy noticed, were covered with the most beautiful white wow. paper. All of the walls, a white, untouched canvas. It was perfect. Oh, this time there was no hesitation. Out came the brush, out came the ink, and he ran to those pristine walls. After he was done covering every inch of the barn with the drawings of cats, the boy remembered the words of the monk. Boy, when you go, fear exposed spaces, trust enclosed places. The barn was a wide open space. The only enclosed space the boy could see was a small cabinet on the floor. He could just squeeze himself inside. And curled inside the cabinet, the boy quickly fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs>
Sometime during the night, the boy was woken up by something. He didn't know what it was, but it was huge and getting closer. As far as he could tell, it was some sort of hideous beast. The beast was right at the doors of the cabinets, pawing and trying to get inside. The boy held it shut as best he could, but the beast was so powerful, it was about to come in when... in silent fright. Eventually, he fell back asleep. In the morning, the boy came out of the cabinet and crawled back into the empty barn. The first thing he saw was it, a huge bloody thing in the middle of the floor. The carcass of a giant rat demon, bigger than he was, lying in a pool of blood. The boy looked to the walls, and on every screen, he saw all the cats he drew. And on the face of each and every cat, a sly smile. And on the mouth of every cat, a single spot of red, blood red. The boy quickly returned home and began his career as a scribe and scholar. He went on to have a long and storied career. And in all the years of the boy's career, he never drew another cat. Hello, my friends. Instead of our usual bad poetry and jokes segment, today we will have some real verse written by someone who knows how to write it. A Familiar Feeling, once again, by Evan Boffman of Long Beach. I stand at the open grave. Why is my name on yet another headstone? Nearby, a man holds a shovel. He might have answers for me. I approach, his back's turned. I try to speak. Clods of worm-filled earth fall from my jaws. A twisted yowl escapes my lips. The man turns, his eyes go wide. He swings the shovel, its blade parting the flesh on my face. I become rabid, blinded by rage, a familiar feeling. I climb his pants leg with my claws, leap for his throat with my teeth. My ninth life truly begins after taking his first. And now, the weather. I read somewhere that if you scrub someone with white salt, you can help expel their demons. Oh, you're saying we should scrub green stand here with salt? You go ahead, I'll, I'll wait over here. Lucky thing this is radio, I'll do it. I said, and now, the weather. Due to far too much rain this summer, Midwestern farmers could not plant all their fields with the normal corn and soybeans. So to keep the soil busy and restored for the next year, a seed mix was planted. I am here to report the astounding result. Sunflowers! I'm headed into the field right now, and I must say that while it is full of bees, it sure is well, lovely. Well, 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 what, what have we here? What the heck? Who's there? Ouch! Hey, you, listen up. Uh, well, excuse me, folks. It appears this sunflower can speak. Well, of course we can. 
And you know what? We're hungry. Ouch! Hey, nice work, bees. I'll keep stinging them. Oh, thanks, boss. Hey, you, you see, with all the rain, Damn. there ain't many nutrients in the soil. Ouch. See how yellow our leaves are and how small the petals? Yeah, ouch! Well, we're the king of flowers. I'm supposed to be taller than you. Yeah, yeah. well, maybe. Ouch, next year, I gotta get out of this field. Ouch! Hey, not so fast, Buster. Oh. See, it's best for Ow. us if you stay and feed oh, the soil with your decomposing oh. bodies. Bees, attack! You're a lot bigger than that photographer, but you ain't no wedding party. No, they were tasty. They They sure sure were, boss. And that was the weather report. And the last bee sound effect I want to hear for a while. Killer bees, killer cats, I've had enough. It's making me anxious. You're making us anxious. Speaking of which, welcome to This Week in Collective Anxiety, sharing the angst to make it a little less angsty. Today, Captive by Joe Griffin. Joe Griffin is a Chicago writer, most visible in the world of live audio drama for his work as musical director for Death Scribe. Is he home yet? Tuesday. I want to keep him a couple more days for observation. Man, when is it enough? All you two have been through. He said he wanted to come home. He, he should be with you. Be with his family it's when- It's fine. I'm sorry. You're right. It, it, it's none of my business. No, I mean, it's going to be fine. He, he's going to be fine. Wait, what? It's fixed. I, I, I fixed it. It's fixed. What are you talking about? Last time we talked, he was terminal. What's changed? Come here, I'll show you. The last few months I've been, well, I guess I haven't been myself. I've been watching Brian fall apart in front of me and I can't do anything. When he's at the hospital, I can't sleep. I just think, God, there's gotta be something. And I I go to the web and I start clicking randomly and I found the Spellmaker's chat page and and there was a guy there who said he did custom spells. So I, I told him what was going on, and he said he'd send me something. And it's the first thing since all this started that gave me any hope. Getting a little freaked out here, Dee. So this piece of paper showed up in the mail, and it took me a while to get all the stuff together. And I, I had to look up some, oh, some pronunciations on Google Translate. But on Sunday, I did it. And it worked. Okay. What worked? I have death trapped in my laundry room. You have uh, death trapped in your laundry room? He's, he's sitting in a little salt circle between the washer and the sump pump. I, I think it's time you talk to someone. Maybe get on some meds or something. No, no, seriously. He, he's right down there. Death is something that happens. It's not a guy you can chain up in your basement. I didn't use a chain. It's the salt. And I have to burn some sage every now and then. Thing is, I don't know if I have to feed him or or keep the room at a specific temperature. Have you got someone down there? What did you do, Dee? I didn't have to do a human sacrifice or anything. Uh, it was more along the line of a couple of birds, some guinea pigs from the pet store, and 13 spiders. The guy online was pretty specific about the spiders. And last, I had to burn the paper with a spell on it, and then it worked. I mean, actually trapping death wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but there he is. Wanna see? <laughs> You said you didn't chain it up. I didn't. I don't know why it's doing that. (laughs) But now Brian gets to live. Everybody gets to live. How how do you know it's death? And and how do you know trapping is going to keep your husband or anyone else from dying? The guy on the internet said that. The guy on the internet? 
the guy on the internet. You've got something down there, I'll grant you, but uh, for all we know, it could be St. Jerome or the ghost of Buddy Holly. I tell you what. Let's just give it a couple of days. See what happens. Brian. Oh, isn't it good to be home? How are you feeling? Wiped. Weak. Still here, though. Yeah. A lot of that going around. Uh, Diane, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? You two go ahead. Diane, people are not dying. Hospitals, funeral homes, this is messed up. No, no it isn't. It's fantastic. All the grief, all the sadness, it's over. Done. Nobody has to go through it again, ever. Huh? I'm all out of clean socks. I'll take care of it, honey. Don't overexert yourself. Sue, you've got to see this is the most wonderful thing that's happened in the whole history of mankind. I mean, people have been trying to beat death for thousands of years. I think I can carry a few socks in the basement by myself. <laughs> My cue to split. I think there's a big dog in the basement. It's not a dog, honey. It, it's fine. Just calm down. Everything's fine. That's death. He's trapped down there. You know, I thought you said... She did. Why is death in our laundry room? He's trapped there. Now no one can die. Now you won't die. How do you know it's death? How do you know it's a he? No one in the world has died since it's been down there. He's trapped there. Now no one can die. Well... Now I, you won't die. Well, that, that's great, and I love you, and thanks, but, but what do we do now? I mean, is there some procedure? If no one's dying, do we tell everyone to stop having babies so we don't run out of room? Do we have to keep eating? Do we have to take our clothes to the laundromat now? Can we get past him to get the Christmas tree out? I don't see why. I just don't see why you two are so concerned. How bad can it be, no one dying? Have you listened to the news lately? Uh, I'm hungry. I I'm going to go and try and find some meat. The Food and Drug Administration is at a loss to explain why no food manufacturer or farmer has been able to successfully slaughter any animal. But they point out that no human beings have actually died from starvation as a result of this reduction in the global food supply. The World Health Organization declared five potential continents epidemiological disaster areas. As all vaccines and antibiotics have mysteriously become ineffectual, they have no working theory as to why the diseases are now running rampant throughout the populated areas or why diseases previously considered fatal have not resulted in any fatalities. American pest control is... Diane, you have to stop this. No, I won't lose you. I, I won't let you die. It's past time for that. By a long shot, you have to let it go. I don't know what he'll do if I let him go. He's probably ticked off. <laughs> hey... You're not even really chained up. Cut it with that. He doesn't sound too good, Diane. I don't think he'll give you any trouble. What do you think is wrong with him? He's probably starving. He hasn't taken anyone or anything for days. Jesus, Diane. What happens if he dies? Sue! I am really freaking hungry. I, I'm going to try something. Where did you get a chicken? Farmers let them all go. They're all over the place. Cows too, but I couldn't get one into the passenger seat. I'm going to throw this into the salt circle. Then what? If he kills it, I'm going to cook it, and I'm going to eat it. Wow, chicken's dead. He is hungry. Thought so. Brian, I'm going to need to borrow a knife and a frying pan. 
Maybe a bag for the feathers. This will all be fine. It, it, it's just a little adjustment period. You'll see. Eggs. What did you say? You could eat eggs. Not fertilized. Nothing alive that you'd have to kill first. It's a perfectly acceptable food source in your current situation. I don't know why you humans are so dense. That's not a bad idea. Oh, hey, hey, it's talking. You're talking? Not exactly. You hear me, but I'm not actually... No, that's not relevant. It's time to let me out. This has gone on long enough. No way. No way. You'll take Brian, and I'm not going to let that happen. Let me tell you what will happen then. Even the slightest cold will turn into an eternity of pain and suffering. And while you humans might have the brains to stop breeding, the animals won't figure it out so quickly. In two years, your streets will be overrun with generation after generation of mammals and insects in the trillions. And Brian won't die. Neither will his disease. It will continue to grow and spread throughout his body. And it will not stop. Ever. Listen to it, Diane. No. He's lying to us. He, he just wants to get out, save his own skin. I don't think so. It makes perfect sense. What he's telling us, I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want the world to be like that. I may not die now, Diane, but I'll never, ever get better. I understand why you did this, but I love you, Diane. Goodbye. Brian? Brian? (laughs) Diane, you're destroying the world. People can't eat. We can't cure diseases because we can't kill the viruses. People are staying sick and hungry forever, and that's just the start of it. I had to save my husband. And he decided to die rather than live like this. What does that tell you? You know, it's been awfully quiet down there. He's not moving. He's not growling. I think he's dead. You think death is dead? Maybe a chicken and a human aren't enough to keep death alive. I think we starved him. Let's go take a look. If he's, if he's not dead, this may be a good time to think about letting him go. Really, Diane, this has gone far enough, too far. I've gone to hundreds, thousands of websites trying to find the guy whose spell you used, and I can't find it. I found lots of other stuff, though. I I found tons of stories about death. I mean, throughout history. And, And what I keep finding over and over again is this notion that death is a job that has to be done, that life can't exist without death. Oh, yeah. He's definitely dead. <laughs> I, I wonder, wonder who this is new. And I'm thinking that, that maybe if, if that thing down there really is dead, then something else will start operating in its place. That, that somehow, maybe some nearby creature will take on the role. Maybe it gets passed on to whatever's closest when this death finally dies. I don't know. Does that sound crazy? Diane? <laughs> Diane? I I have have to go. go. I have a lot of catching up to do. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Let me guess. 
another poem? I felt a funeral in my brain, and mourners to and fro kept treading, treading, till it seemed that sense was breaking through. And when they all were seated, a service like a drum kept beating, beating, till I thought my mind was going numb. And then I heard them lift a box and creak across my soul with those same boots of lead again. Then space began to toll as all the heavens were a bell and being but an ear and eye and silence, some strange race wrecked solitary here. And then a plank in reason broke and I dropped down and down and hit a world at every plunge and finished knowing. Then... Everyone quick, chant this spell. I found it online. If this doesn't bring green back, Hamana, 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 watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Around the rugged rocks, the ragged rascal ran. Around the rugged rocks, the ragged rascal ran. From the Swedish American Museum in Chicago, you're listening to Small Fish Green. You're back. About Ooh. time. What are you talking about? How does it feel to be yourself again? And that's all the time we have for you tonight. Wait, we just started. Show is over. Watch for the podcast version of this show on Apple Podcasts in the next day or so, or visit us at smallfishradio.com. Wherever you go to listen, it's always free. free. Hey, I don't get it. And why am I covered in salt? You can ask Mark about that. We're just glad you're back. Do I smell sage? This show featured the talents of Mark Cater, Mark Michael Herzobi, Sharon Phillips, Joy Thurbjornson Coates, Stan Winiarski, and MJ Kelly. Directing and sound design by Trina Kakesen. Special thanks to the White Crane Wellness Center for providing rehearsal space. Smallfish Radio Theater is produced by MJ Kelly and Trina Kakesen. Thanks, Thanks for listening!